She was 18 years old with child, barely graduating from high school, shotgun wedding. By age 25, she was divorced with three little boys, moving from you know, job to job, place to place, trying to, trying to do her best to raise three rowdy young boys, trying to make ends meet, make sure food on the table, shelter, sporadic child support, doing her best, trying to, trying to make sure these little boys had a safe place to lay their heads and getting to school on time. And then she uh, was able to get a vehicle, pretty proud of that vehicle. It was a pristine 1978-79 Ford Pinto. Olive green. Olive green, huh? With faux wood paneling. That puppy's vintage now. Three boys fighting each other. It's back in the 80s. We didn't wear our seatbelts very often. <clears throat> back in the day, I'm so thankful for my mom. I know that it wasn't easy. I mean, she probably didn't wake up thinking, as a teenager, here's what I have my plan for my life. I'm going to be a single mom raising three boys on my own. That probably wasn't on her plan, was it? But things happen, life happens. And I'm so thankful that she didn't give up. And uh, she didn't stay single forever. She got married to my stepdad, Mike, and they've both been a mentor in my life. Now kind of, in, we're moving to that not son parent thing, now it's more of a friendship thing. And some of you have, are now into that stage with your, with your parents as well. But I'm so glad that she didn't, she didn't give up. And look, look, the reality is, motherhood is not easy. The title of today's message is Motherhood Ain't for the Faint of Heart. It's not an easy thing. Many of us in this room probably have visited the greeting card aisle recently. And you get to the, these mother cards. Some of you are laughing because you, maybe you're thinking, oh, that was today. Uh, and you, you read these cards and you're like, who writes this stuff? You know, oh, you are the greatest ever. And, uh, and, they, and they're just they're cheesy. They don't seem to really relate to real life. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you still had to buy the card because you chose the best you could. And so you try to fix it by writing a really nice, you know, something in there. Fix this, this cheesy card. But sometimes... Even in church circles, we talk about motherhood in this sort of, yeah, hallmark, unicorns and butterflies sort of situation, and that's not the kind of motherhood that I see around us. Some of you are experiencing that right now. Maybe you're a single parent right now. Motherhood's hard. And, and you add to that, now many moms are dealing with part-time, or in many cases, full-time jobs. They have all this tech now that they have to deal with, social media, nonstop distraction and noise. And then, and then there's all this pressure that, that a lot of moms especially feel to get their kids to every possible experience they can before they, you know, leave for college. And it's exhausting, and you're trying to, trying to have good, healthy meals, and all you got time for is McDonald's. Some of you are living that life right now. Motherhood is it's not an easy thing, and it's not for the faint of heart. And so today, I, I'm not going to paint the picture here on Mother's Day 
of, 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 of a nice rosy situation. It's, it's, we're going to get real. We're going to look at some moms in Scripture that had kind of a rough time. And so hopefully that's encouraging and, and helping you realize maybe, maybe I'm not so bad at this mothering thing. And some of you are a single parent. Maybe you're a dad in this room. You're trying to figure out how to do that too. Yeah, our hearts go out to anybody raising kids today. I've uh, uh, been looking the last couple of weeks at just testimonies from moms. And so I want to read a few of them to you if that's okay. Uh, here's a couple of moms for you. This is Maggie Downs. This was posted in the Washington Post uh, last year. Uh, she wrote an article called Defining Motherhood. And listen to what she wrote. In four years that I've spent as a new mom, I've become the rock holder. My, my pockets are always heavy with rocks. Rocks sag my backpack, they, cl- they clunk in my coat. My son finds these rocks and urges me to have them. He-, he slips them into my purse, my good purse, and he sweetens the deal with crumbling leaves and little bits of sticks, wildflowers, and maybe the occasional, I think she's from the south, cicada shell. Yeah, I know. If you've ever been to the South, cicadas are going crazy right now. They are the weirdest thing ever. Anyway, they're a big bug, too. I I came from the Northwest. We lived in Tennessee for about eight years. These bugs are huge. Anyway, I digress. But she talks about trying to be the best mom she can be, and she says, you know, this little boy with all these sticks and rocks, he's trying to give me the world. Isn't that cool? Here's here's some that that were in NBC News a few years ago. Motherhood. This is a mom in New Hampshire. Motherhood is very, very hard work. What moms have to realize is the reward comes in moments when all is calm, all is silent, and and you witness your child or or your children's content in the space that you created for them. Motherhood's joys comes in moments. Here's another mom. This mom is from Illinois. Mothering is something so deep, I just, I can't change it. It's a little scary if I'm honest with myself. A little stifling. Yes, motherhood is stifling, and and no one seems to ever say it. That's a mom in Illinois. Here's a mom in Alabama. Mothering is is hard. (laughs) You you learn by making a million mistakes. Anybody made some mistakes in here, moms? Some of you, (laughs) you're going to make more. This is a mom in Virginia. For me, Motherhood has been and continues to be a roller coaster of emotions. Some good, some not so good. It's been a journey of loving, learning, and being humbled every single day. It's constantly asking myself if I'm enough or or have ever been enough to be gifted with this enormous, beautiful, messy, complicated task of being with a mom. You relate to that? Some of your moms in here, huh? Here's another one. This is, this actually, this mom is in Oregon. I saw a quote on Mother's Day that resonated with me, she says. The original poster thanked her children for being an exquisite inconvenience and for giving her, giving her grace along the journey of being a mom. And she, she writes, I think that sums up motherhood for so many people. This exquisite, precious, unique child has been placed in our hands to raise into a successful adult and it can be an inconvenient thing to our own goals and dreams. A lot of moms give up their goals and dreams to raise their kids. So for that, we thank you. Here's one more. This is a, a mom named Janet. She says, I thought I was, gonna bring, uh, I was going to bring a beautiful child into this world that was going to goo and gah all the time like babies on those diaper commercials you see on TV where everybody is smiling. 
They never show you the stressed out mom with crap on her hands trying to catch pee with a nearby blanket and wishing her arms were longer so she can grab the wipes, right? (laughs) Motherhood is messy. Motherhood is messy. Well, today we honor moms of all kinds. We know there's moms, foster moms, adoptive moms, grandmoms, moms of all kinds. The, the work is hard. And we're going to lean into that a little bit today. Motherhood ain't for the faint of heart. My name is Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're with us, whether that you're new with us or you've been here for a while. It's awesome to honor moms today here on a Sunday. We're going to get into Scripture here in a minute, but if you're online, we see you too. Glad you're with us. We gather like this every Sunday on the first day of the week, because that was the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead and changed human history forever. That's why we gather on Sunday. So I'm glad you're here with us, making this a point of uh, being here today and listening for the Lord. Let's let's pray now, and then we'll get into the message. Father, we come before you. We thank you humbly for the gift of moms and motherhood and parents in this room. Thank you, Lord, that, 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 that you've designed uh, the, the, the family the way it is so that, that, that little ones can be nurtured and loved and, and become a healthy, healthy people. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for moms. Help us to lean into your word today and that, Father, you would challenge us and change us by the power of your Holy Spirit even as we gather. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're familiar with Scripture, and, and some of you probably, maybe you've read the Bible once through, maybe you've read it a, a few times, there are some moms in Scripture. And some of these moms kind of have a rough go of it. Some of these moms have some, some difficulty. You don't believe me? Well, let's start with the first mom that we encounter in the Bible. Right? We, we have the Genesis account, the creation, right? You have Adam and Eve. We kind of follow their family line for, for most of the Old Testament. But, you know, the simple reality is, is Eve was a mom. And, uh, and she, she kind of had some, some rough goes there early on. In fact, if you look at Genesis 4, I mean, Eve had to deal with the fact, well, first of all, her husband threw her under the bus, you know, back in that whole garden thing, right? That whole fruit, you remember that part? What does Adam say? She gave me the fruit. I, well, come on, man, that's a, that's a jerk move right there. So she already had to deal with a questionable relationship there with, with Adam. And then her firstborn kills her secondborn in Genesis 4. We don't even get that far into Scripture. we got brothers murdering each other. And she had, to, she had to deal with that. And what's that all about? Cain killing Abel. I mean, and then like blaming somebody. It's, it's, it's a sordid tale. It's not just Eve. How about Rebecca? Now, Rebecca, she got married to this Isaac guy. And Isaac can't even stand his second son. He's into his first son, Esau. Well, they're kind of born at the same time. If you've, if you've, seen, if you've seen the scripture, they're kind of wrestling each other. But, but right away, Isaac has this great favoritism for Esau. You know, Jacob, we're, we're told in scripture, he, he's a guy that liked long walks on the beach and enjoyed a good romance novel. I don't know. But, but, but Esau was a man of the field. And so Isaac favored Esau over Jacob. All, all the way to the end, actually. All the way to the end. Never, never, never changed his mind. Always favored Esau. And so Rebekah had to deal with that. You know, over and over again, this, 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 this favoritism. So that, that must have been hard on Rebekah as a mom. How about this, Jochebed? You're like, who is Jochebed? I, I, you, you will find out if you, if you open your Bible to Exodus 6, Jochebed, most people know her as the mother of Moses. Okay? So, so we find in the beginning of Exodus, we got, we got her situation. What's, what, what did she go through? She has this beautiful child, the scriptures say, and right away, she's afraid the government's going to kill him. 
So, and that's not the only time, by the way, that happens in Scripture. You remember that whole thing where Jesus and Mary and Joe had to run down to Egypt because the whack job king was trying to kill all the baby boys? That, do you remember that story? Well, that, that's, this, happened, this happened with Jacobet. She had to like, somehow hide her son away and figure out. Now, that, that whole story is pretty interesting. because She's able to kind of find a way to kind of still speak into his life as her mom, but had to do it in a kind of a weird sort of way. If you read the story, I won't, we don't have time to go into it here. But she had to deal with Government trying to kill her kid. Now, we, we have a lot of struggles, and many moms in here have had a lot of struggles, but generally that's not one of them. You have to worry about somehow the government killing your child. These are tough stories. And we know that relationships between moms and sons and daughters and even par- parents, those relationships can be strained. Those, those can be tough. You see many, many times in Scripture, Scripture is not silent on the goofy, dysfunctional nature of family relationships. It really, really is not silent on that. But the, the, the most famous mom, come on, you knew where I was going with this. The most famous mom, come on, is Mary. We've got, we got to talk about Mary. How can we not? You'd think I was a bad preacher if I didn't at least talk a little bit about, about Mary. And the thing is, Mary gets all this hype around the Christmas story. It seems like we've, we forever keep her in the nativity. And she never gets to come out of nativity. Nope, Mary, you stay right there. We, we like that. We like, we've we we got our action figures. You're going to stay in the nativity. You, cannot, you can't grow. You can't have more ch- children. But, but Mary, yes, she, she's famous. And some traditions actually kind of take the Mary thing up a notch. Uh, if, you, if you grew up in maybe Catholic tradition, uh, now it's the mother of God. I mean, that's quite a title. I mean, yes, that's true in a way, but not really the way they, they kind of put Mary up on this huge pedestal. And in fact, you, you would pray to Mary as kind of one of the saints, right? If you've ever seen a rosary, uh, you do that, <clears throat> Hail Mary, you know, Hail, Hail Mary, full of grace. Come on, some of you have that tradition. Uh, so they kind of take it overboard a little bit with Mary, but I still think Mary's important, right? We're, we're not going to take it overboard like that, but Mary, she, she had a really uh, important place there at the beginning. <clears throat> the reality is she had this firstborn child in this miraculous way, and we... Uh, all know that Christmas story very, very well. It was a, a miraculous situation. She was actually not married yet, also kind of scandalous. And so she's going to have this child out of wedlock. And, uh, but, but you think about it, she, she's firstborn, and, and her and Joseph, her husband, they did have more children. We do find in Scripture that they, we, we know that at least he had three or four brothers, probably a couple sisters uh, in the mix. So it's you know, a big family, actually. I mean, not, not a lot of families, you know, do have that many children anymore. It's just kind of this thing about modern life, but a lot of, lot of going on, a lot of moving parts in the home of Mary and Joseph. And what do we know? We know that Joseph was a stonemason, a carpenter, probably worked with wood and stone. He was a blue-collar guy. He had car hearts on every day. He would, he would show up, he'd come home, and he would smell pretty bad. And do you know that they lived in the Middle East and they did not have air conditioning? Turns out. All those kids and Sweaty Joe coming in, you know, to wash up for dinner, would have smelled pretty ripe in that, uh, you probably never thought of that. In fact, in fact, this sermon might ruin Christmas for you forever. <laughs> You're like, Ben, stop talking. You're ruining this. I want Mary right there in the nativity. We don't, talk, we don't talk about the rest of life. But look, I mean, think about the reality of what she's dealing with. She had to homeschool, right? She, she's a homeschooler. She's, she's there trying to, trying to navigate. They weren't, they weren't rich. 
We find that when, when they went to dedicate Jesus, we kind of find a little bit of a glimpse of their, their, their wealth wasn't much. They were, they were kind of a poorer family in Nazareth. And when, when they dedicated Jesus at the temple, they didn't bring a you know, big, nice lamb or a, a goat or whatever. They brought a couple of birds because that's all they could afford. So they were you know, going from paycheck to paycheck. Come on, living, living hard, difficult, homeschooling the kids. Think about all the runny noses. The arguments, you know. And if you were a, a kid in that household, guess what you got tired of hearing? Well, Jesus finishes homework. <laughs> every day. Every day. Why don't you be a little bit more like... What was that like? Every day, you know. Every day, dealing with that, you know... I just recently discovered that they didn't have diapers back in the first century. Not the disposable ones. How many kids did she have? See, I know today sometimes moms will get all nostalgic about cloth diapers. That lasts like a month or two on most moms I know. They want to like be eco-friendly. You know, and I get it. I understand that it. it's very noble of you. So you start out on the cloth diaper thing, and then that's ditched very quickly. Because if you've got to travel anywhere, you're not doing a cloth diaper on a plane. Think of how many cloth diapers Jesus and his brothers and sisters went through, and who had to do all that? Mary. Think of life in Jesus' household. Now, they probably, every once in a while, got a, got a weekend trip to Lake Galilee. I don't know, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they were fishing. Now think about how bizarre that is. Here's Jesus doing this. A couple years. You know, this is the stuff that keeps me up at night, okay? You're seeing into the brain of my weird thinking. Keeps me up at night. What was that like to be fishing on Lake Galilee? He's like, I could make this so much easier. Because, I mean... Look, I mean, I don't know how, how expert a fisherman he was, but all I know is every time you see his buddy fishermen later, they're never catching anything. You notice that? They're fishing all night, zero, zero catching. I wonder how good a fisherman they were. But imagine that, those weekend trips, trips. Every, well, they, every once in a while, they got to go on a little field trip to Jerusalem. So uh, at least three times a year, at least that's what they were supposed to do, they're supposed to go back to the big city and worship at the temple and have a big feast and everything. So they got out of town a few times, but for the most part, they were just all there, all the time, right there. Think about all the heartbreaks and the skin knees. See, we think of Mary in the nativity, and we keep her there, but she was a real mom. She had to deal with stinky diapers and stinky hubby. She had to deal with, you know, I mean, Jesus washed some feet. She's having to deal with that all the time. She had a lot of more feet there to deal with every day. And she had to, she had to do all that. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy deal for Mary. You think about the beginning of, of the story, and, and we find in Scripture that when all this was happening around the birth of Jesus, this miraculous thing that was going on, there are people prophesying, you got angels showing up, all this stuff. And, and yeah, the scriptures say that she did what in her heart? She pondered these things in her heart. So that happened. But a few years down the road, I don't know that she's doing, she didn't have a lot of time to ponder. You know, can I get a witness? Mom's just busy. 
busy. All these things that you, that you had to do. It wasn't easy for her. That's the point, right? Why am I talking about Mary? It was hard. In, in the real world, she had to deal with all this. A lot of, uh, I mean, think about her broken heart. She had to go through all of that in the real world. I, I think about this relationship. We, we don't get a lot of, like, the Scripture doesn't give us all the detail, right? And, and, and my mind always goes to what we don't know. But we have this, the, the first time that Jesus does something in public, if you will, at least the first recorded moment we have, is when Jesus and the family are celebrating a wedding. And they happen to be in Cana. So they're hanging out, you know, they, they took a little road trip to Cana, and they're going to have, you know, and I guess wedding ceremonies back in the day were longer affairs. It's not like an hour where you say, I do, and you're gone. They would gather the whole families, they would be feasting, and it'd, be, it'd last for days. And the worst happens at this wedding. Why would I say the worst happens? Well, in that culture, hospitality was a big deal. And it was real embarrassing if you didn't have enough supply to feed and get everybody something to drink. And what happens at this wedding? You know this story, right? They, they run out of what? They run out of wine. Crisis. How embarrassing. So they got to do something. And you have this, this interaction with Jesus and Mary that's kind of interesting. It's like you, you get this, and again, there's so much detail we don't know. But she immediately thinks, I've got the solution. And she goes to talk to her firstborn son, Jesus, about dealing with this problem. And I'm sure Jesus was like, well, I don't know what he's thinking, okay? Was he thinking, that's not really my problem? You know, they didn't plan well. Your emergency does not constitute an emergency on my situation. And we don't even know. I mean, had he ever made wine before? Like, I mean, has she explained the process of how it works? Well, it starts with grape juice, and then, you, you know, we don't get any of that. We just, she looks at him and says, solve the problem. And you get this kind of reluctance a little bit on Jesus' part. Like, he's not quite sure if this is the right time to kind of reveal. And the reality is, we, we know this miracle, okay? People love to talk about this miracle of turning, well, part of it is, he turns water into hundreds of gallons of wine. I keep thinking, how much wine did they need at this thing? That seems like a really bad idea. Hundreds of gallons of wine seems like a real bad idea. But we don't get much interaction. Solve the problem, Jesus. And she kind of has this trust relationship with him. Like, so I wonder, what has he done before already that she would think that he would do this? We don't know, right? We, that's one of the hard, I got so many questions, right? Don't you? So many questions. I want the de de details, details. These writers, I realize at the end of the Gospel of John, if you've ever read the Gospel of John, highly recommend it. At the very end of the Gospel, John just basically just drops a ball and just says, look, if we would have written down everything that we saw him do, it would be not enough scrolls to keep track of all that. So we, there's detail we don't know. But he makes this wine. And the thing is, we know that story, but how many people knew he did that? I mean, only Mary... Right? And then the servants who actually got the water, they're the only people that knew that he did this. And he takes it to the, the head person or whatever, the, the family member or whatever that was supposed to have enough wine. And this guy was like, wow, this, this is the good stuff. You, you brought out the good stuff. You know, normally you don't bring out the good, you, know, you bring, bring out the good stuff you know, first, 
or whatever. I, I don't know what the, the sequence is, but you, you serve you know, wine at a time when uh, you know, people maybe had too much or whatever it might be, but he creates good wine. I don't know how he knew how to do that. Obviously, it's a miracle, but only a few people knew. And then, you know, you kind of move through. And the next time we have this interaction with Jesus and his mom and his, his family is when they're worried about him. You see, what happens, Jesus kicks off his, his ministry, but almost right away, he starts to have clashes. Who, who does he tend to have clashes with? Come on. Is it the non-religious people? Uh, you know, the, 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 the people on the street? Who's it with? The Religious people. Two groups in particular that were really big in that era were the Pharisees and Sadducees. And the Pharisees were the, kind of that, that, that kind of like my role. They're almost like the people that would be in the weekly synagogue and kind of helping you out and calling you, how are you doing? Uh, there was the Pharisees and then there were the Sadducees. And those were the guys that were kind of more of the, the high fluting people. They only hung out like at the, uh, say, at the, at the temple in Jerusalem. So they were kind of more of the uppity sort of people, kind of didn't, didn't work with the fray, you know, didn't work with us average people. And so they, they would have these conflicts with Jesus, and, and they, they were di- diametrically opposed groups. I mean, they didn't really like each other. Uh, the Pharisees would say that there's a life after death. The Sadducees didn't even actually believe that. And so there was, there was normally clash between those two groups. When Jesus came on the scene, now they have a united front. Now they start working together to stop this Jesus guy. And so he begins to have a little bit of a downward spiral where the religious establishment does not like him. And his family gets worried. So they want to go help him out. They're wondering, maybe, Mary, maybe Mary's a little worried. By this time, we think Joseph was, had already passed away. And so she's a single mom. And she grabs some of the siblings, and they try to get Jesus and maybe rescue him because they're worried maybe about his, his safety. They might also be worried about their safety because they start to tie in. And people know he's from Nazareth. And so maybe they're worried, too that maybe we're going, to be, you know, we're going to be on the radar for these religious folks to come after us. So they're kind of worried. You see what's happening here. And so at one point, I think it's in, in Mark chapter 3, if you want to look that up. Mark chapter 3, you have, have Mary and, the, and, and some of the siblings go to try to get him out of a house that he's sitting teaching at. And, uh, and he basically tells you know, the people there at, at the gathering, he said, you know, the people that are my mother and brothers are those who do the will of my father. And so now, he's not downplaying his family, okay? Don't misread that. But he's saying that there's a new, a new reality coming where we're going to have new brothers and sisters. And it's going to be a new family. It's going to be a new kingdom. And so he's not downplaying his family, but he's saying, actually, the family's going to grow because you're going to be part of God's family. And that's kind of what he does there. But his, his family was, was afraid for him. They were, they were afraid for him. And, of course, you skip a, a year or two down the road, and Mary had to witness her own kid being killed in a way that was really reserved for the worst. The, the crucifixions were only really done in the Roman Empire against like insurrectionists, anybody claiming to be Caesar, uh, you know, trying to usurp authority from the Roman government. That crucifixion was, was really not uh, something that often criminals were given. And here's Mary having to watch her kid die before she does. You know, I've heard people say that before. Like, like, you can't think of a worse thing than for you to outlive your kid, right? Here's Mary having to watch this. And she's probably as confused as his disciples were. The, the disciples didn't quite get this. 
They're not sure how that tied into a new kingdom or how that was ushering in a new era of God's rule. Like, how would the cross be the pathway to all that he's been talking about? And they didn't get it for years, and I'm sure Mary was confused. And Jesus there on the cross makes provision for her. Tells one of his close friends, John, hey, John, I want you to take care of her. I mean, what did that feel like? It was the end. And when he, when he breathed his last, mom was there to bury him. You're burying your firstborn son. That's got to be rough. Have you thought about that? Hmm. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I mean, if anyone in Scripture could clue us in on the difficulties of parenting, number one, and uniquely the difficulties of motherhood, it's Mary. She had to live some rough stuff. Motherhood ain't for the weak, is it? Mary had to, to go through that, and she had to learn to navigate life and trust God's plan, even when it didn't make sense. I mean, can you imagine her remembering his miraculous birth as she's watching him take his last breath on the cross? All those things that she pondered in her heart. All those dreams she had. Remember, early on, people were telling her, oh, this child is going to be special. He's going to, he's going to be uh, the one responsible for the rising and falling of many of Israel. He's going to, you're going to name him Jesus, which means God saves. Yeshua. All these things were told to her as she's watching him take his last struggled breath on the planet, thinking, what in the world is going on? If you thought motherhood was all hallmark and unicorns and fuzzy, it's tough. And watching your child die is tough. And I, and I, I want to bring it back down to us here. Not to bring us down, but look, what we see in Mary is some resilience. She had to trust God hard even when it didn't make sense, even when she lost her husband as a single mom raising all those kids. She had to put her trust in God, and I'm sure that was not an easy, an easy route. So for us today, look, if, there is a, if, you're, if you're blessed enough to have your mom still with you, would you call her today? Would you just say thank you? You know, if you're a little, you know, rowdy boy like I was, Maybe you need to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Call her up and say, I'm sorry. That's tough. I encourage your mom today. Maybe you don't, your mom may not be with you anymore. I encourage a mom you know. Uh, just say thank you to her. I realize not all of us had great relationships with moms. I get that. Many of us struggled with the parent relationship. And I, I know that can be hard, but look, be thankful that you're here because of mom and dad, especially, especially mom. Maybe, maybe you know a mom at work you can, you can give a high five to or something, right? A safe high five, elbow, something like that. But encourage someone to, that's my only point today, encourage, encourage a mom. And we've got some moms in this room, encourage a mom today. Moms of all kinds. How, Ben? Well, give her a spa day. Uh, maybe you're going to pay to get her fingernails, what is that called? Fingernails? That, yeah, that. Never had one myself. It looks kind of fun. Give her something like that. A spa day? I don't know. And if you're a guy in this room and your kids are younger, they may not be clued in. Okay? These young kids are not clued in to the fact that this is Mother's Day. So dads, you may be giving that gift to mom. Do not give her anything related 
to housework. That would be a fail. At, well, unless, unless you're... Your, your mom is really loving that dishwasher that she saw at Lowe's, and maybe that's okay, but you have to get mom's permission to buy her anything related to housework. Don't do it. I know that Dyson's a pretty good deal, but don't do it. Resist, resist. Give her something that she would not do for herself. Something extravagant. Come on. We can do that for moms around us. Encourage a mom today. Look, it's tough. I mean, you think about it in our culture, how they're trying to navigate. I, I feel for moms right now. Moms that are trying to raise kids with devices and tech and social media. And I thank God, every, not every day, but a lot of days, I thank God that there was no YouTube when I was in high school. You know what I mean? The technology these days, I mean, everything's being videotaped. Everything's being, I mean, I know many of us in this room are very thankful that there is no video footage from some of these eras in our life. Can we get a witness? Is there an amen in this room? But moms have to deal with all this stuff now. And I feel for them. If you're a mom in here, man, good on you. That's, and I, we want to encourage you. We want to encourage moms today. Go get a photo with her. Do something today. Pray for her at least. Pray for some moms you know. You know, Shower someone with some love, even if it's not your own mom. Look, Mary, in the real world, raised Jesus. We would probably not even have the gospel, folks, without Mary. She is in some small part at least, come on, responsible for the fact that we even know the story. She probably firsthand gave a lot of accounts to those writers. Certainly John. We can thank Mary for some of that. No, we may not put her to the Mary, Mother of God thing, but she is important and she lived the real world with Jesus. Jesus understood what it was like to walk through this life, to get mud on his feet. Real world. Not some pie-in-the-sky thing. He put on flesh. Scripture tell us. God put on flesh and blood and walked among us. He knows your weaknesses. He knows my weaknesses. Mary all too well knew those weaknesses. She was broken. Her heart was bruised and broken for her love for her son, Jesus. But ultimately, I mean, look, Luke 2.52 says that Jesus grew in wisdom, favor, with God and with men. Who was responsible for that? Come on. Luke 2.52, we're told that Jesus went home with mom and, and dad and they raised him. They raised the Son of God. Think about that on your resume. You would win everything. Any party you go to and your small talk, well, I raised the Son of God, so... I deserve that parking spot in the front. She raised the Son of God as a real human. Look, she was broken for love. And her son Jesus was broken for love. That's what the gospel good news is. You are so loved that he was willing to do whatever it took to restore a relationship with you, with me. Broken for love. If you've never said yes to Jesus, we do this every Sunday. But look, if you've never said yes to him being your Savior, he was broken for you. You could do that today. Take a next step. Don't, don't go off. This, even on Mother's Day, say yes to Jesus. Many of us in this room have said yes to Jesus, and it's been a game changer. Because we're not on the throne anymore, Jesus says. It's been a game changer. Thankfully, Mary's, Mary was willing to wade into real life, raise him. And she got to watch that. But then she also got to see him, what, on the third day? Who went to the tomb first? Was it the guys? The women. Can you imagine what that felt like? Game changer.
That's the gospel good news. If you never said yes to Jesus, you could do that today. But look, Jesus understands where we're at. Let me read to you from Hebrews 4, and we'll kind of, we'll kind of end here. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus came into the real world, had a real mom, was broken for you, for me. So today we can honor Jesus, but we can also honor him by encouraging a mom. So today, do whatever it takes. Encourage a mom. If it's not someone you're related to, encourage someone, a foster mom, adopt a mom, grandmom. Encourage a mom today. And if you're a mom today, thank you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We know that you're powerful and mighty. And uh, Father, you invite us to be part of your kingdom. You invite us to be part of your good work here on the planet. Father, use us. Use us, Father, to, to do great work in the world, to expand your kingdom of love everywhere we go. Father, help us to encourage moms, but encourage everyone uh, to, feel that, to feel that life that you've called them to be, a, a full and abundant, beautiful life, all available because of your son, Jesus. So, Father, we, we ask that you would use us in a powerful way this week as we go and be the church, and we encourage moms. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.